today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. You and I as believers, we need to continually remember that because God has called us, because we've been born again now as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, we're no longer citizens on this earth. We, we need to really be impacted by that understanding that we are sojourners here. We're just pilgrims here. We are just passing through. This earth is just momentary at best. Eternity is forever, and we are now citizens of eternity, and that really needs to impact every aspect of our lives. The moment we are born again, we gain eternal citizenship in heaven. In today's message, Pastor David reminds us that we are sojourners here on earth. We are pilgrims passing through. This reality should greatly impact the way we live our lives. Pastor David also points out that because this world is not our home, we are strangers in a foreign land. Because we claim Christ, we will experience persecution and hardship. However, because heaven is our home, we can endure all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Living in a Foreign Land, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. One version says that we are called as the instruments of God to be able to proclaim his message. God called us out of the darkness of sin and death, and he's brought us into the light for that very purpose. This whole idea of being in sin and death, the reality of uh, the greatness of our lostness outside of Christ that we were lost in sin, that we are in the absolute darkness. And we read this over and over throughout the word. Jesus makes it very clear in the gospel of John chapter three. That story is Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, that religious ruler. And Jesus speaks to him about the world and how the world outside of faith in the son of God, he says that it's condemned already because they've not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You see, the name of Jesus is that light that comes out. And that's why people reject that so strongly. 
When you speak of God, we can speak of God in however you perceive him to be. And suddenly he can be anything or everything. He can be actively involved in life or set far apart from life. Oh, yes, I believe in God, but I don't believe that he's actively involved in my life. I don't believe that I'm going to stand. I believe that God loves everybody and everybody's going to be saved. But when you speak of Jesus... The reality is, is that Jesus died for the sin of all mankind, that whoever believes on the name of Jesus will be saved. You see, that's, that's the impact. That's the conflicting part of Jesus himself. And when we come to Jesus and we become that chosen generation, when we become that royal priesthood, when we become that holy nation, when we become his special possession, the reality that we were called out of darkness into light. The reason is, is in order that we might be able to proclaim the reality of his mercies to a lost and a dying world. You see, there's many times when we proclaim that message, the world doesn't want to hear it because it's convicting. It means that I've got to change who I am and what I do. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, God is rich in mercy because of his great love for us which with which he loved us even when we were dead and trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you've been saved and he's raised us up together and he's made us to sit in the heavenly places in christ jesus and that's what peter is speaking about here out of the darkness and into that marvelous light He says in verse 10, we who were once not a people are now the people of God. He speaks of we who are not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And again, what a great blessing that is and what a great privilege that is. But beloved, you know, with any great blessing, with any great privilege comes a great responsibility. But the fact is, if we are blessed, we've been given great privilege. With privilege comes responsibility. You're not going to promote someone within your business, give them great privileges and give them blessings without them also realizing that with that comes a greater responsibility for you and I as we've come into the kingdom. We have that responsibility. So how is it that we move around today in this dark world and how is it that we can faithfully and consistently and confidently proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light how do we do that how do we live our life among those that are still in a lost condition those that many times will reject the very words that we say as well as rejecting the truth of our lives how do we live our lives for god while still living amongst the people who are in darkness wouldn't it be a lot easier if we just built a big compound and like like we could build this huge huge big wall We can all kind of move in all together so that everybody's of the same mind, everybody's of the same spirit, and there wouldn't be that conflict, there wouldn't be that persecution, there wouldn't be those kinds of things. We just all come together. So I'm asking you this morning, if you'd join with me in building this great compound for God. (laughs) No, you know, if you know me, some of your visitors are like really worried right now, aren't you? That's not what God has called us to do. 
God hasn't called us to, to become reclusive hermits or, or to become cloistered monks or monkettes, as the case may be. He's not called us to that. He's called us to be people actively involved in the world that's around us. We need to be infecting and impacting the world that we're in. And I know it's easier to withdraw, but that's not what we're called to do. We are called to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So, again to the question, how do we faithfully do that? How do we live here and still proclaim his message and his praises? I believe that Peter tells us the only way that we can actually do that. Let's look at verse 11. I believe that Peter speaks about the impact of our lives in the here and now. In verse 11, he writes, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and as pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct Honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observed, glorify God in the day of visitation. I believe that, first of all, you and I as believers, we need to continually remember that because God has called us, because we've been born again now as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, we're no longer citizens on this earth. We, we need to really be impacted by that understanding that we are sojourners here. We're just pilgrims here. We are just passing through. This earth is just momentary at best. Eternity is forever. And we are now citizens of eternity. And that really needs to impact every aspect of our lives. We need to start living as alien residents, not ones with little antennas. No, that's not what I'm saying. We, we need to live again that this world is not our home, as the old saying goes. This whole world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We need to actually understand that and, and live that truth. We are pilgrims on a journey. Remember this whole idea of the book of First Peter is pilgrims in process. We are in the process. We are here at this point and at this time, but we are pilgrims in the midst of it. This is where we get that idea of being a peculiar people, and that really comes into play at that point. We ought to be clearly different from the world that's around us, not in a separate sort of way, but in a very decisive way, in the choices that we make daily, choosing against the things of the flesh and the enticement of the world and all of its systems and all that pulls us down. Peter tells us here, as sojourners and as pilgrims, we need to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Our flesh continually screams out for attention. Our flesh continually demands its rights. Our flesh wants its way. And if you don't have that problem, then you need to check your heart, okay? Your heart beat. Because the flesh is alive and well, and it draws on each one of us. And yet we see so clearly that that's the very thing that will destroy us. When we look at the events of the Old Testament, 
We look at the lives of the fathers of the faith and even of the kings of Israel. We see so many times how their own personal logic and how the desires of the flesh, when they were led by them, bam, destruction came into their lives. Sometimes it was cataclysmic destruction. Many and most times it was generational destruction because of the choices of one man, how it impacted so many. Just stop and think for a moment. Think of Abraham. Abraham had been blessed by God in so many ways. He had been given the promise of God that says, you know what? Out of you will come a great nation and you will be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And Abraham knew that God had promised that to him. Yet Abraham, in his logic, figured, well, God, I I think I know how you're going to do that because Sarah is too old to bear children, but she's got Hagar. Maybe I can have a child through Hagar. And Lord, surely that's your plan. But you see, that's man's logic. God wanted to do miraculous. Abraham wanted to do it by way of the flesh. Did it impact Abraham's life? Oh, yeah. It was not a happy home for a long time. Did it impact generationally? Yeah, we're still impacted by that generations later. What about King David? The apple of God's eye. God's special one. The one whose heart was toward God. And yet, David, during the season that kings should have been out fighting wars, stayed back at home. And as he's cruising around up on his rooftop, he beholds Bathsheba down there, uh, again, bathing herself. And David... Because he was a king, he felt he had the right to do something that wasn't his right. Because, beloved, power never gives you that right. And yet, many times, power makes people think they have the right. And so he moved outside the boundaries of what he knew to be God's will and God's direction. He was led by the logic of his flesh and brought Bathsheba to himself. And how did that affect their lives? The child that Bathsheba bore died. Bathsheba's husband was murdered by David, and David's family became absolutely, totally dysfunctional, an absolute catastrophe because of, again, the sin of David. But God still used him, and that's the amazing thing. That's the amazing thing. Think of the kings. The kings of that time that sought comfort and they sought protection from these foreign nations, foreign nations like Egypt and even foreign nations like Assyria. They sought comfort and protection from those nations only to become enslaved by the very ones that they sought comfort from. Beloved, that's exactly what our flesh does. When we go to appease the flesh and seek comfort from the flesh, soon we realize now I'm under bondage to the flesh. And the, and the flesh now has control over me. That's why Peter says abstain from the flesh. That's why Jesus continually warns about the fact that we need to die daily. Because that flesh keeps coming back alive. We keep knocking the top off the coffin. We keep crawling back out. And Jesus says, no, you need to die daily. And sometimes, okay, sometimes it's moment by moment, right? Or am I in a small boat? I don't know. I believe that it's many times, moment by moment. 
Paul throughout all of his writings. He, he warns about the strength and the destructive force of the flesh. Paul tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, is at enmity or is against the things of God. For it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. We're called to live our lives abstaining from the flesh, to live our lives above reproach, live our lives in a way that honors God both in private as well as in public. Peter goes on to say in verse 12, he says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. As we live our lives, yes, in this foreign land, we're going to be attacked for our faith. And I believe, should the Lord tarry that, attack will continue greater and greater and greater. As we live our lives in proclamation of the truth of who Jesus is, beloved, you can be guaranteed that you're going to be faced with persecution. And although we see, even even now, we see this growing wave of increased persecution coming, things that I shared with you at the very beginning of the message. Again, uh, this attack against even praying in Jesus' name. The truth is, is right now we have great freedoms in this country. In our country, in the United States, we have a tremendous amount of freedoms to be able to proclaim, yes, proclaim even the name of Jesus. And we've had it relatively easy in this country for a lot of generations. We've had a great freedom of religion. We've had the ability to be able to proclaim our faith in in, in nearly every venue that's available. Our churches still, right now, today, in the United States, we're free from any kind of governmental control. We're tax-exempt. I can proclaim and preach whatever I feel the Lord is calling me to proclaim and preach from this pulpit. And the government's not going to come in and say, hey, you can't do that. Beloved, that's available to us right now. Did you know that, uh, again, in other free nations, that's not the case? They're starting to cramp, clamp down on what you say is sin and what is simply a lifestyle choice. Today... We can hold an evangelistic event downtown or in the city park. We can go and, yeah, we need a permit to be able to gather, but even one-on-one we can go to the city park or we can go downtown and and just simply speak to people about Jesus Christ. And they cannot and will not arrest us. 
Today we can boldly speak about man's great need for a savior. Today we can go into the city, into the county, into the state, and into the federal prisons, and we can actually hold Bible studies, and we can give inmates an opportunity to come and make commitments to Jesus Christ, and we can even follow that up with having a believer's baptism right there in the jails and the prison. Today, we can do that. Today, we're still allowed to go into our school systems for an after-school program and hold Bible clubs for our elementary school-aged children. Isn't that right, John? Today, we're able to do that. Tomorrow, that may change. Today, we're able to go into our high school campuses, and we can encourage kids in a Christian club that give Bible studies that speak the name of Jesus on our high school campuses and on our college campuses. Today, we can still do that. A couple of weeks ago in the meeting that Pastor Robert and I were in, the mayor of our city, Bob Jackson, he continues to ask for pastors to come and pray over our city council meetings, and he has absolutely no problem for them to come and pray and ask those things in Jesus' name. That's not true in every community. As a matter of fact, in Florence, they can't do that. But Mayor Jackson has said, you know what? As long as we possibly can, we will continue to do that. And he desires that to be done. But beloved... Should the Lord tarry, those opportunities are going to be shut down. They're going to be shut down one by one by one. And we already see it happening all over our nation. We see some school systems that will not allow that. We see some organizations that don't allow it. But today, we have it that freedom in so many ways. But I believe that there will come a day, should the Lord tarry, that it will be shut down. What makes us think that we are any different than the Christians over the last 2,000 years that have had a freedom only to have that freedom taken away, to be, again, that, that Christianity is legal even to the point that now Christianity is illegal within countries. Are we really that different? I don't think so. And should the Lord tarry, I think we're going to see that. Do we really think that Jesus was simply talking to someone else? He was talking to a different time. He was talking to a whole different culture than what we are. When he says in John 15, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of this world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's why it's so important for you and I in this world to live a life of integrity. Just as he says, man, that when they bring these accusations against you, they won't have anything to stand on. They'll see your good works. We need to live our lives, not only with integrity, but we need to live our lives as a proclaimer of God's truth while we still have the opportunity to do it right now. When the name of Jesus comes up, I guarantee you it'll be divisive. 
When the name of Jesus enters into a conversation, suddenly an individual has to take a choice because Jesus will not be denied who he really and truly is. When the name of Jesus, the name above all names, comes and speaks, man has to make a choice. Will I receive that or will I reject it? Standing strong in the midst of persecution is a theme throughout the New Testament. Many of the newly created churches faced opposition from the world around them and were in danger of turning away from their faith due to these confrontations. It isn't a surprise that the book of 1 Peter also addresses this subject. Peter wanted to encourage new believers and remind them of the truth they had learned, that Jesus lived and died for the salvation of every person on earth. Sadly, persecution didn't die out through the ages. The enemy is still doing his best to derail the message of the gospel. Today, we want you to be encouraged as well. As a follower of Jesus, you will face persecution sooner or later. Stand firm in your faith, leaning on Jesus' truth for your source of strength and comfort. One way you can find support and encouragement in any season of your life is by getting involved in a local church. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith. It's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word.